On today's episode of Senior Quotes, we are doing some post-NFL draft analysis as well as some NBA playoff talk. Let's get into it. I'm your host, Aiden Braddock, joined by my co-host, Jack Coleman. Jack, how are you doing today? I'm doing swell. Swell. start off with a little swell action. Wow. But, uh, no, everything's going really well. Wrapping up here, almost done. Uh, a couple more. It's basically like a week and a half at this rate. Uh, we got finals coming up, so big, big stuff. But big, big news. Uh, both of us were elected to the WZBC Sports executive board yes we were so i will be next year's podcast director one of my i'm running the sports saturday sports saturday um, so yeah big news even more of us so that's great um and yes, you know even better for this show as well so really excited yeah no we're pumped um my little like forgetting what position i was does not mean i'm not uh, very responsible and ready for this job but yeah we are so excited to um finally have a big responsibility with the board or just with the club in general and we've I think shown some really good commitment this year and if you guys have been listening with us you've been just as committed as we have this whole year so uh we're really excited to call more games like the providence one um maybe get a road football game get some baseball hockey etc you know we'll have a lot of opportunities and can't wait you know it's gonna be an awesome year but before that you know we have two more at least two more maybe three depending on how finals work but at least two more episodes here uh at the heights so i'm Ready to get into this one if you are. I believe we have one more. Because, yeah. Next week. Yeah, next week will be the sixth, and then we're both gone. We'll, yeah. Yeah, in yeah, fact. we're gone after that. So, interesting. So, yeah, this so is our. La- next week will be the last one from BC Live. And then do you. And this is actually. Afterwards. We can we'll, decide this on, on air right yeah, now. We're, I mean, we're going to try as much to meet up and, and get, you know, some sports action over the summer. Obviously, it's a lot harder. Everyone's working and everything, but. You know, we'll we'll try and take the time. We'll give you some sack updates. I was about to say maybe so that's big. Maybe every sack game day we can yeah. try to record. Yeah, and we'll, we'll have the NBA draft coming up, so that's huge. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming a ton of free agency moves this oh, summer. It's gonna We've be been big. hyping it up all year. Yes. So and, and of course summer baseball. It, it'll be a lot of baseball talk. Yeah. So I think it's it's a good time of the year to really try and keep things going and head into our next year here with a full head of steam. Yes. So speaking of baseball, neither of us have a quote from uh, the MLB today. But uh, just quickly, because, you know, I do like to talk baseball at least once every show. We have CeCe Sabathia, the Yankees' pride, and uh, retiring this year. But he's only three strikeouts away from 3,000, which is a huge milestone. And he'll be taking the mound tonight. So shout out to him. Uh, Hopefully he gets that. And uh, I forget when the Yankees start. But if they play during this episode, I'll keep us posted. Um, Um, When is is Andujar getting back, too? Because I I thought that was, like, something that was recently talked about. Like, he was... was coming back soon. Yeah, they're saying he is going to come back soon. I think Urshula got knocked uh, um, knocked out. That doesn't really, that's not correct. <laughs> he, he got hurt. messing around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is no. pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, he got hurt and like, guess what? Obviously, every single player's gotten hurt, but um, yeah, I guess Andujar's coming back just in time. We'll see. I, I don't think either is currently healthy right now, but Andujar's going to be back soon. Uh, the Yankees have been 
on fire, winning nine of their Surprising. last ten. Yeah, through all these injuries. So shout out to them. And then quickly for Dan's sake, hopefully he is tuning in, but I'm guessing he's not just yet. Um, Tim Anderson hit a walk-off homer and had a crazy bat flip. Um, he also hit another homer earlier in the year, did the same kind of like bat throw and was thrown at after, which caused a big brawl. So I guess a quick question for you is what do you think of the like aggressive bat tossing or just really tossing the bat in general? Um, I, I love it. It's I mean, good for the sport, it's great but like, for the sport. And, you know, we really don't make a huge mess of, of NBA players, you know, flaunting after a dunk or, or showing off like we we love that we eat it up and it becomes their signature move so if this works for baseball this is just another way that baseball can market certain players and for it to be you know like a really cool thing it, in the nfl it's a little iffy like obviously we all love touchdown celebrations and they're awesome and you know it's only when they get too excessive where there seems to be an issue but you know i really don't think bat flips are anything excessive so like i'm all for this and i think it's awesome for the sport but at the same time, I do see why the pitchers feel disrespected. They should. Um, and there are, yeah, that's true. Like, and they deserve it. Like, yeah. If you give that up, then you deserve that. Are there unwritten rules to the sport? I feel like this might be more of a question for me, but I want to know what you think. Like, are there unwritten rules that you have to abide by? Or because it doesn't say anything, can you just flip the bat? Like, what do you I'm going gonna, gonna to say no, but, like, obviously, like, you don't do that. I mean, I feel like there's unwritten rules of society. Like, if, if something, if someone is, like, a pitcher is going through something, like, personal, like, you're not yeah, going to yeah. do that. Like, I, I just think that, you know, there's a certain amount of respect in anything mm. that needs to be maintained. But otherwise, like, if it's your fault in the game of sports, then you get deserve to let the other guy, you know, show <laughs> off and stun stuff. But Ooh. otherwise, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there is something to be said for the silent killer like the Kawhi Leonard's of the world mm. who can, you know, hit like if it's baseball, just someone hit a bomb and then just, you know, casually nonchalant Dame Willard. Yeah, exactly. Just walk off. And, yeah. and I think that is something in the, in sports that everyone always respects and thinks highly of. So it, it just depends what player you want to be. But, you know, these are the players that are marketable and are great for the sport. Yeah. And that's what the MLB needs is marketable faces. Tim Anderson's putting on an MVP campaign, even though he's on a, losing team and not really a relevant one right now either but he's hitting like 380 which is absurd and while he probably won't keep that pace it's great to see these stars keep developing i mean christian yelich went from just a random guy that was traded by the marlins you know who was a good outfielder but he's turned into an mvp and he's leading the league in home runs or at least the national league he's been awesome so it's guys like that who we just need more of uh, in the MLB, and we're getting more of. You know, there's I, so much I star power. I saw a tweet, and maybe you liked it. Um, Probably. But it was about Luke Voigt and uh, yes. if he keeps up his numbers. I believe it was like 46 home it runs. It is. It's yeah, close to 50. That's pretty solid. For um, and he's hitting like 280 right now. It would be about like a five-war season, which is all-star caliber and more maybe. You know, so I, that's awesome. I think I have <clears> my <throat> nickname for Luke Voigt that I'm going to stick with. Okay. It's Oink Oink Voigt. I love it. He's the pig. He's just a pig out there. He looks like a big giant pig. Not like a normal pig though. Like if you ever seen like the Family Guy where it's like the giant pig and he's just like oink. Like that is Luke. That's Voigt. Luke Voigt. Yeah. Make a T-shirt of that. Maybe put Luke Voigt's head on that. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. We can start selling SQ merch. Yep. Yeah. All right. Maybe. So that's our MLB talk for the day. But you know, 
like I said, I'll keep us posted if uh, CC gets those three strikeouts. Um, the NFL draft was last week, and I'm sure you and Satilli talked about it a little bit leading Andrew, into it. Actually, oh, Andrew was on. I forgot. Yes. Yeah, shout out to Satilli though for letting us on the board. But yeah, Andrew filled in. I, I want to have an episode with both of them at some point, and I'm sure I'll get that. But okay, shout out to you, Andrew. I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I was not here, so don't blame me. But yeah, the NFL draft, my favorite day of the year, um, happened last week, and I'm so excited to talk about that. Do you want to lead with that, or do you want to hit the NBA stuff? No, quickly? definitely the NFL. Draft. All right, we gotta get right it's into big it. Big stuff. Um, which one of these is my lead? You know what? I, we got to go with this one. I think I have easy quotes this week, but okay. I, I'm just ready to talk yeah. about it all. All right. So this one's just who said it. You can talk about the situation. The league done messed up. Oh, I know this one. Uh, this is Dwayne Haskins about being taken 15th by the Redskins and being passed up on by the Giants. Correct. Correct. You get a full point there. Um, yeah, the, the big drama. And we'll, we'll, we'll at least cover Dwayne Haskins' side here because I'm sure we have some other quarterbacks to talk about later. But Dwayne Haskins was passed by the, the Giants, by the Broncos, uh, Dolphins as well. There were QB needy teams on the board that went with other quarterbacks or no QBs at all. And I don't know if it says anything about Haskins, but if anything, it's going to give a chip um, on his shoulder just to play with this season, especially when he goes up against the Giants twice a season. Um, the comparisons to players like Daniel Jones where he just is not as mobile, you know, and because of that, I do think there's some big downsides to him. But he threw for 50 touchdowns. That's the positive. He looks consistent enough. But was that because of him or was that because of his team? I think there's a lot of questions around him. And it's interesting to see a quarterback fall that far because usually there's one team who thinks that's my guy and has to trade up to the top 10 to make it happen. In fact, only one trade was made in the top 20, and that was the Broncos trading out. Steelers went up to 10. I forget who they took. I believe Devin Bush. Devin Bush, yeah. Um, And I really like that movie. Yeah, but yeah, so in a draft where they actually set the record for most trades in an entire draft, there's only one in the top 20. Does that say something about Haskins in this quarterback class to you? Yeah, I completely think it does. I think for the Redskins, it's a good move to get him at 15. I mean, clearly they're going to be needing a quarterback soon. There's some issues there. I believe they're riding with Case Keenum right now. Who knows if Alex Smith is going to be able to come back and, and even play or if he's just going to retire. And, you know, they were looking for their next guy. And what a better way than to stick it to the Giants in their own division and take the guy that was being associated with them. So, in terms of Haskins himself, I personally had some issues with him early on. I, As more talk around him to the Giants was made, I kind of was vouching for him and, and wanted him. But when I look back, I really, from the start and having watched him play in college, thought that he just was not that mobile. And right now we're dealing with a weak line. It's being built up and it's getting better for sure. But... You know, we're dealing with a quarterback as well in Eli Manning who was not mobile. So it's kind of like another non-mobile quarterback when this league is really transitioning into guys that are more mobile. And, you know, I, I think the team around him was something to be there's something to be said for that, too. I think that he did have weapons around him and, you know, he might not be as big of a I don't know. Uh, what am I trying to say? Like a prospect. Uh, yeah, yeah, prospect. Yeah. Prospect as people made him out to be. Um, I mean, when I think of him, I sometimes thought of, like, even, like, Jameis Winston a little. I, mm. I felt like maybe he could end up being like him. And even the Buccaneers, they don't really know what's going on with Jameis. I think I'd give them one more season to let him try and prove himself. Otherwise, they're going to be getting a quarterback in this stacked draft yeah. class next year. 
Um, but yeah, Haskins just really was, I guess, not our guy. And in the draft and leading up to it, I had heard a lot of rumblings about how, you know, there weren't a lot of teams that were crazy about Haskins. And it, I think the draft showed that. And, and so many teams, whether it was, you know, the Bengals or the Broncos, really just didn't pull the trigger on him and, and go after him. And like I said, at 15, that's a great pick for the Redskins, but he slid much farther than I thought he would. And no one, you know, traded up for him either. So long-term, I, I really don't know. We, we're going to have to see. I personally believe he's going to tear apart the Giants twice a year early yes. on. Yes. But I think Daniel Jones, who the Giants selected, may have the better career. Yeah, I agree with you, and we'll definitely get into Daniel Jones later. I'm sure at least one of us is going to talk about the Giants soon. But uh, on Haskins' side, you know, there were comparisons, or at least questions. At, like, if Haskins played for Duke and Daniel Jones played for Ohio State, would we see two different stat lines? Yes. Who would be going earlier? Some people say Haskins wouldn't have gone until round two or three. Yeah, Others no, think, think so. it would have been the same. You know, there, there are questions there for sure. And that's not to say Jones is by far the better prospect. Instead, you know, it's up for debate clearly, um, and there's been a lot of critiques for the Giants uh, so far, and everyone just loves the Redskins draft as a whole, and I agree. They had a great draft. Getting the quarterback that could be their future quarterback at 15 is awesome value no matter what. So it looks good for them on paper. At the same time, I'm not a huge buyer of Haskins right now. I mean, you can look at past episodes where I pushed for Haskins, mostly because of how passionate he was to play for the Giants. There are not that many players who feel that way right now. Um, but at the same time, there are clear downsides to his game. And like you said, behind a bad O-line, the Giants O-line has gotten better for no, sure. No, definitely. It you has. Know? But even still, you want a guy who can run faster than a five in the 40-yard dash, I- even at quarterback, where yeah. it used to be athleticism doesn't really matter. It's a new game where you need to be at least a little mobile. And that's the thing. You don't want, and I've said this before in the past, where you don't want your young guy coming in, being forced to play behind that line, and then getting injured, and then you know, have an Andrew Luck situation where he's constantly being, you know, trying to get back in and starting and going through injuries and that mm-hmm. creates other injuries. Like, no, I want my lines set and have that guy or I want a mobile guy who can kind of move and escape the pocket and, and get a throw off. So I don't know. I really don't think ha- not taking Haskins for the Giants was necessarily a bad thing. And I think looking back, we're going to be happy that we didn't. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, we'll Again, we'll analyze the Giants, and hopefully all 32 teams are at least, you know, some first-round picks if we have some time at the end of the show. But we'll be back. Uh, well, no, I'm sure you're, you've got NFL stuff to talk about, so let's get into that. Okay. Um, I'm more motivated now than ever. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. There's a bigger chip on my shoulder. Oh. <laughs> they messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Haskins. Yes. So that's kind of why I went on and on about Haskins because, because yeah. I had it as well. So it'll be uh, even even matched there. And you can honestly just – or I can actually go into my other NFL I'm, quote if you want, or you can do yours up to I'll, you. I'm fine with doing mine uh, to keep the order. But yep. real quick, I, I could have guessed Josh Allen there before you said the dumb mess yeah. up. I was like, oh. Yeah, I um, just – I figured it would be cheap if I didn't give you the entire quote. Yeah, it was the same I was going to say. So I like, was like, huh. Um, yeah, Josh Allen fell to seven. I would give that an A for sure. Uh, but yeah, okay. Interesting here. Uh, there's not an actual prospect in this one, but you'll you'll get it anyway. It's mm. about the draft. Blank just has to stop talking. He is embarrassing the franchise. Hmm. 
Um, there's a couple guys that I'm thinking of. I mean, like you said, it's not a prospect, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm torn between Antonio. Yes, Antonio Brown, not Anthony Brown. Did hmm. it or Odell? Um, before you guess either of them, I'm gonna give a hint. And this is this is completely about the NFL draft. Okay. Yeah. So. All so right. it's neither of those guys. In fact, neither the person speaking or the person he's talking about is a player. Okay. It's just blank has to stop talking. He is embarrassing the franchise. Um. Wait. So then, what what exactly would this be about? Like, I'm kind of confused by what it would be about. This is a. So it's a draft. Yeah. It's okay. um. It's about an executive of a team. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Dave Gettleman. Mm, yep. About the Giants. That like I just like couldn't figure out what exactly that was going well, Gettleman, for. If yeah, it was like Gettleman's the blank. Yeah. Do you know who's had it? Um. Hmm. I'm just gonna say like Eli. Now see, that's he would never like a player would. Never I know he say wouldn't, but like Mike Francesa on the other oh, hand true. would yeah. totally say. It. Yes. So this is a half that's point fair. for you. Um, and this is the quote I wanted to use to get into maybe a Giants critique or maybe some support because personally, you and I are both going to roll with uh, Daniel Jones. I mean, he's the guy we got. And I whether am, or not I have some critiques. Yeah, whether or not it was the right pick or the right time to take him, you know, he is the player we have now. So quickly for me, we had three picks in the first round after trading up to 30, taking DeAndre Baker, who I think was the best pick of the three in the first round. Um... I'm a little bit more upset about the Dexter Lawrence than I am about Daniel Jones. And I say that because that was the pick we got for Odell, and we get a defensive tackle out of it. Value-wise, that doesn't make the most sense to me. I think Lawrence is going to fit really well into our 3-4. But I think the ideal draft here would have been Josh Allen at 6, knowing that we could have gotten him. then Because he was supposed to go at 3, you know, so we weren't expecting that at all. Josh Allen at six, Daniel Jones, maybe not at 17, but trading up and guaranteeing that we'd get him. Because remember, there were multiple teams that were rumored to have taken him had he been on the board. That was the Redskins, that was the Broncos. So we would have had to move to 10 or maybe nine. That sounds challenging and that justifies why he went at six in my opinion. But if we wanted to get the most value, I would have said Josh Allen at six and trading up instead of going into the bottom of the first round, we use our second round pick to move up to like nine or 10 and we take Allen and Jones. We probably wouldn't have gotten a cornerback like we did with DeAndre Baker, but then Julian Love fell into our hands in the fourth round, and assuming that happens again, we look great at all three positions we got you know, in the first round. So that's my ideal. I'm rooting for Daniel Jones, though. So I definitely am rooting for Daniel Jones. I go by the rule that you get 30 seconds of initial reaction for the draft, but then immediately after, you need to stick by your guy. I like this, And yeah. I think that Daniel Jones is getting too much hate. He's not done anything yet. I've seen highlights of him. He was good at Duke. He didn't necessarily have the receivers that a guy like Haskins That's had. That's the thing, yeah. And there were a lot of drop passes there, mm-hmm. and they looked like good throws. So I think Daniel Jones can be good. I think a year of mentorship under Eli Manning, you know, he's friends with Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. I think that's great. I think that it can really be a healthy relationship there. And, you know, you can see Jones become our guy of the future. Not to mention, I think the next year is going to be a very wide receiver heavy draft, more so than quarterback, actually. And I think that all these teams that are getting brand new quarterbacks between this year and the following year are going to be getting a wide receiver target 
to bring up with their quarterback. See, like, I think the Giants are probably going to go for Jerry Judy or yes. T. Higgins from Clemson. Mm. And that's a good pairing to give Daniel T. Jones. T. Higgins was sick exactly. Whoa. So I think that's what's going to happen next year. I believe saying now, and I've seen some way too early mock drafts, but I think that the Giants will go with a wide receiver in the first round Same. next year to help Daniel Jones out. But I agree with you. Well, oh, yeah. I, was I have my take on Daniel Jones. <laughs> okay. And the draft in general. So I was okay with it. You know, I mean, at six, if you like your guy, shoot, go for it. Mm-hmm. Today, and this is coming through Bleacher Report, uh, there was a lot of behind-the-scenes action for the Giants. And, you know, again, I don't know how much of this is true, but it right. seems credible based on how everything did go down. But apparently, Gettleman and the Giants were under kind of like a panic attack at six because Gettleman was crazy about Jones and he wanted him. And they thought that other teams, and he has stated after the draft that the Broncos and the Redskins would have gone after him uh, if he were there, you know, before the Giants had their 17th pick. So he went all out and got him at six. Now, I do not think that Daniel Jones is sixth pick overall talent for this draft. Um. I think Josh Allen was the move. The other thing is that in the polling that Matt Miller took, of all the teams, and you know, teams might not want to give up anything, and um, you know, they, they might want to hide who they're truly drafting, sure. But every single time it was done, there was not apparently no team that had Daniel Jones in their top two yeah, that they would have heard selected. about that too. Yeah, so maybe and that's this why Gettleman trying to save face. I was gonna say that's why Mike Francesa was saying yeah, Gettleman's embarrassing right now, and I agree, yeah. I think he is. Because, like, I'm fine if you come out and say Daniel Jones was our guy from the start. We believed in him. We just wanted to ensure that we had him at six. You're done. You can say that. You move on. You let Daniel Jones do his thing. Otherwise, this is a bad move. I mean, if no other team wanted him really, what could happen? We could have got Josh Allen at six, our 17th pick. We might not have even had to trade up. Let's say we do trade up from 17th to maybe 14, 15 even and and try and trade up. I know that's the Redskins pick, but still, let's say we try and do that. Then you get Daniel Jones. He would have still been there. He's Mm -hmm. a Duke quarterback. No one is going out of their way to get a Duke quarterback. Haskins, on the other hand, I mean, he may have been gone. But let's say we kept the 17th pick. I highly doubt, because of the way that Haskins went in this draft at 15, I highly doubt that both Haskins and Daniel Jones would have been gone by our pick. By 17? And we could have gotten either one of them. I, I truly, truly believe that could happen. So Mike, And let's yeah, let's say right. he, let's say both did, though. Yeah. Then we go with our second pick and get, you know, a different p- a position, best player available. Yeah, yeah. And then you trade up and try and get a guy like Drew Locke. Like, I think that the Broncos did a great job in this draft. Yes. So... I think there's other ways around it, and I, it really did look like the Giants were under some kind of panic attack. Yeah, and I mean, that goes again to Gettleman, who, I don't know. I, I'm still not, obviously, a big buyer of his. I don't think too many people are. I, but I literally just... have here that I am slowly losing faith in Gettleman. Yeah. If this doesn't work out, I have lost faith in Totally, and he'll be gone if it doesn't work out. Because even this. He's putting his job on the line for Daniel Jones, and that's why I believe it a of little course. bit. Because he's not just trying to sabotage but his team. the you know? thing is, he should have done the opposite these two drafts, these past two drafts. Yes. He got Saquon. I love Saquon. I am all for right. Saquon. I support him. But at number two, 
that was going for best player available when that year you really did need a quarterback. And, and there you were had good, a great class. And yeah. there was great quarterbacks available. This year, he goes and reaches on a quarterback trying to make up for last year's right. mistake right. and instead misses out on a lot of best players available. Right. So I don't know what he's doing. I, I think a lot of people could have managed that situation a lot better. Yeah, we could have done, say, Darnold this year and then or last year and then Josh Allen and Josh Jacobs this year. You know, there were definitely yeah. ways to go about it. Running backs are a dime a dozen, And we opinion. could have tried and made a pull for Le'Veon Bell instead of going to the Jets. There so, you, you know, I, it's all shoulda, coulda, woulda, but, yes. you know, it's two years in a row now where he kind of hasn't done the right thing. So my counter for your belief that the Giants could have gotten Jones at 17 or at least Jones or Haskins is that, I really think the Broncos would have picked Daniel Jones at 10 unless they were sold that they could get their guy in the second round, which they, of course, they did. And I'm not even, I don't think Drew Locke is that great a prospect. There's a reason why he went in the second round because all 32 teams believed he was in the first round prospects, you know, or at least there were better players available, like you're saying. Um, so I really don't think the Giants get Jones at 17 based on the circumstances above them. However, that, like I said, they could have traded up a little bit and just gotten the second quarterback off the board, not including Murray, um, and just seen what happens there. Uh, or Drew Locke, but I don't have much faith in Drew Locke. I think we could have gone BPA at both picks and then just taken a quarterback in 2020. But that puts us even further into rebuilding mode when Gettleman this whole time has wanted to win now. I think he reached on Jones quickly. He reached on Jones because he's still in that win-now mode, but realized we need a quarterback desperately. But the thing is, he can't afford to be in a win-now mode. I agree. When you've given up everyone that was already on your team that right. would have allowed for a win-now mode. Yeah. Like, well, he wasn't a big fan of the Odell contract, I think, even though he's the one that inked it. Um, or maybe he came in right after. But that you don't pay that much money to a wide receiver and still win. I'm still a proponent of that idea. But at the same time, you don't pay that much money to a quarterback and win. All these teams winning Super Bowls, except for Brady, of course, who's taking a hometown discount. All these other teams are having quarterbacks who are on their rookie deals. You know, like Cam Newton, who went to the Super Bowl that year. Russell Wilson was still on his rookie contract. Now he's getting like $40 million a year, and the Seahawks aren't going to win for the next few years. That's my take on that. You have to build around a young quarterback, and now we have a young quarterback in position. He's just not one that I think is going to be ready in these next couple years to yeah, win. And, but that's the thing, and this is all up in the air. We just don't know yet, and that's why we can't right. hate. Exactly. Because if Daniel Jones does turn out to be the player that Gettleman thinks he is, Gettleman is the hero that Bill Belichick always turns out to be. So, you know, we need to wait and see, and I think that the Giants can have quick turnaround. They've made some moves to build up their defense a little. There's obviously still some work that can be done there. That's fine. But it is getting better. There's moves that were made to fix the line this year, and it is a lot better than it had been. And now we're in this in-between year of, you know, an older wide receiver in Golden Tate and an older, older veteran quarterback in Eli Manning, whereas next year these guys get their time. We move up Daniel Jones, and maybe he is great, and we get a guy like T. Higgins or Jerry Judy in the draft, and our offense looks really good on paper and mm -hmm. very young and very sustainable. Yeah, we were like 27th in the power rankings today, and all the comments were like, Giants should be la or Giants are by far the worst team. What are you saying? On paper right now, we are not. You yeah. know, and even if Eli's coming down a little bit and decreasing or declining, he threw for 4,300 yards last year, and he has a better line now. Sure, he doesn't have Odell anymore, but he's got young targets and Golden Tate as well. And this, Saquon's going to be even better, in my opinion. He's this, killer in the passing game. Yeah. This was something um, you missed last week. I brought up to Andrew. I looked up Eli's stats from this year yeah. and compared it to Baker Mayfield and Tom Brady. Okay. 
and really not that far off from either. He was actually, I believe, better all around than Baker, except Baker had a couple more touchdowns. Okay. And Brady was maybe slightly better sure. in every category with about, like, eight more touchdowns. Dude, people so, just... I mean, it's really not that big a difference. No. Eli did have, by all means, a fairly decent year. And any other circumstance, like, yes, game by game, that doesn't transition to wins. Mm-hmm. But if you look at everything all That's at the fair. end of the year, he had a fairly good year. And I can understand why the Giants are willing to stick by him for at least one more. Yeah, people love to hate on Eli. People love to hate on the Giants. It's just a common theme right now. It's what people love to hate on the Browns just a few years ago, you know, and they're back. Um, and in my opinion, the Giants have a much better team of paper than they're getting credit for. Are they going to be a winning team next year? actually possible but yeah, I'm gonna and say I mean no. you never know what can happen when you literally have a Hall of Fame future Hall of Fame you know bar any injury in Saquon Barkley yeah. like in a running back like that you never know how that can affect a game running back is one of the most important positions to have and if you have a Hall of Famer at that position you could be set so I'm scared for uh opposing defenses because he actually has no line now yeah this you know? his last year his rookie of the year season was all behind one of the worst O-lines the Giants have had in a long time. Yeah, and this team was built on their O-line like in both win- or Super Bowl winning yeah, seasons. definitely. So that's something that I feel like we need to go back to. We were never about the targets, in my opinion. You know, we had Toomer, we had Burris, we had Knicks. And sure, those are big names, but they were just trusty, consistent receivers that remind me more of Sterling Shepard than Odell. Yeah. You know, maybe Plaxico is more of an Odell guy. But what about just, Cruz? Victor Cruz also, though, was a trusty receiver, yeah, he, you know, yeah. who was fast enough to break off the slants. But he wasn't like necessarily like an yeah. Odell athlete. Right. So that's that's how we built our game. Now we kind of shifted to the star power end of it. And, I mean, when you have a guy like Saquon, you got to use him. Same with Odell. But moving back to, you know, a consistent team, because we're missing consistency. That's what killed us last year. So... To find that this year would make this offense look so much better. And then on the defensive side of the ball, we still lack a pass rush. That's the biggest thing. It just seems like Gettleman really trusts both Golden, um, who we signed this year, and then I'm blanking on Lorenzo uh, Carter, I believe. Yeah, who we drafted last year in the third round from UGA, and he's developing into a nice pass rusher as well. So let's just see what happens. I mean, on paper, the defense looks kind of weak. The offense really could be solid. But, I mean, the secondary got a huge boost in the draft. We yeah. talked about that with Julian mm-hmm. Love, DeAndre Baker. That was huge. Corey Ballantine, who's recovering from being shot a day after he was drafted, yeah, which that, is just such a tragedy. That's rough. Yeah. But, on the whole, I mean, and we add Jabril Peppers. So, I- I'm excited. Well, uh, I keep forgetting about Jabril Peppers, too. I like Jabril, Jabril Peppers a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, go next, to your second yeah. yeah. So, continuing on with the NFL draft. Uh, tell me who said it and who it's about. We talk about accuracy, and accuracy a lot of times comes down to technique and throwing on rhythm. We believe he has a ton of talent, but we also believe he has a lot left to work on. Well, we're talking about quarterbacks, and we're not going to be talking about Haskins twice. Uh, I I, I mean, I can imagine you wanted to talk about Daniel Jones and just ensure we had it, but at the same time, you knew I would. I'm between Jones and Murray here, actually. Um, In fact, I'll go... Cliff Kingsbury about Kyler Murray. No, it is actually John Elway on Drew Locke. Wow. And I, I thought I, you wouldn't. Interesting. Yeah, I, I really wanted to bring him up because overall I still 
think that the Broncos, to me, had the best draft. I really like the moves they made hmm. um, all Smart around. Smart trades. I don't know if they got the oh, most. That's ba- fair. Like the best that's, but in terms of trying to get this team to a place where they can play now and win now and try and bounce back from these weird, odd years, I mean, personally, I think that they had probably the best defense in the league and just kind of wasted that defense's prime. It was kind of similar to the Seahawks almost, where that Seahawks defense w- was incredible at the time, but then the, the offense suffered and then you just had that defense. So now I think the Broncos went through a similar thing, you know, with Von Miller on that team, who's just incredible, but no offense. I mean, yeah. they messed up with getting Paxton Lynch, and then yes. they had, who else? Uh, Trevor, Trevor Simeon. Simeon. Exactly. Brock just, Osweiler. Just no names, and after no names, and... I think Case Elway Keenum made, last year, right? Yes, for a little, and then they traded him away to the Redskins, who we said before. So, you know, initially I, I like the first move of Elway bringing, getting Flacco. I think that's great. You get your veteran guy. It's a very similar Eli situation, I feel like, with Flacco. And now you have, you know, your young quarterback, Drew Locke, behind him, can play for a year. And, you know, you had a guy like Lamar Jackson on the Ravens play behind Flacco. And when he took over, he really didn't lose much. No. So it could be a similar thing this year. I don't know necessarily if Drew Locke will get that chance to play this year. But if Flacco goes down, I'm going to assume he's next man up. Well, definitely. And, you know, we'll see what he can do. Maybe he can follow that same routine. But my, my question is, like, is it too late for this team? Have, have enough huh. pieces in their offense and defense you know, age too far or, or have left this team where, say this was the pick two years ago and Drew Locke was there, th- this could have been been something solid. Ah, man, that is tough. Because, yeah, Demarius Thomas is gone. Yep. Akeem Tlaib's gone. Von Miller is getting older. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Because I, I, I was going to say, I like this draft as well. Noah Fant, they got 20th, and that's with the trade down yeah. from 10. And he looks like a really good quick tight end. Reminds me of Evan Ingram. Uh, Dalton, I thought the Pats were going to get him, maybe. Yeah, honestly. And then Dalton Risner is the offensive tackle that fell to them, who's not the most athletic, but just a big guy who people thought would be a first-rounder as well. So they got three first-round talents, potentially, you know, with their first three picks. That's a great draft. Sets them up for the future. I don't see them competing this year, though. And I also think Drew Locke could even beat out Joe Flacco in training camp. Like, that's a potential, no, like a possibility. For sure, yeah. You know? And it might not happen necessarily and especially if they want to uh, wait a few years they might let Flacco start and like you were saying earlier you don't want to put Drew Locke behind just a losing team you know not a team with maybe a bad O-line but just in general a losing team so I'm not going to expect much from the Broncos this year but I'm with you that they had a good draft and I also bring this up because it makes me think looking at all the quarterback picks it might be that Daniel Jones might be primed to have the best career out of all of them because Haskins, I'm not confident in him being with the Redskins. I mean, that's an okay situation. I think it's a lot very quickly in terms of how fast you'll start. I think he's going to start very soon. Uh, Kyler Murray's being Kyler thrown Murray, into the Cardinals situation. I don't like the Cardinals situation. I think that made Rosen a terrible quarterback. And, you know, he wasn't even terrible, but uh, not terrible quarterback, but have a rough year yeah. in terms of, you know, getting his first chances to play. I, I think that he's in a rough situation. Locke is kind of in this rough situation of not having a really, I mean, like, I guess for the future, he might be kind of set in terms of if they decide for the rebuild, but not the best prospect again. And then I think the only other player that 
or quarterback that's primed to do well is Stidham behind Tom oh Brady. Gosh. So I'm so scared. Exactly. Of that. Yeah. So like between the Giants and the Pats, I really think those are the only two where the quarterback will thrive. I see yeah. Daniel Jones thriving. He has a good offense around him, arguably the best out of every draft or excuse me, every quarterback around him. And then Stidham is just a matter of fitting into Belichick's system, which right. he should based on the past quarterbacks they had backing up Brady. Mm. Um but yeah, I I don't know. It's 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 weird. Yeah, uh, I don't think Daniel. Jo- my other reason is I don't think Daniel Jones should be getting as much hate as he is getting because I think long yes. term he'll be the best from this class. Uh, a friend Winston. of the show and a former guest, Jack Butterfield, was saying, "Do we buy into the Dwayne Haskins type or not?" We did touch on that earlier, but his point was interesting that he says no because they don't have a standout wide receiver. Yeah. And in my opinion, the Giants have two, but also none. You know, Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard are both reliable, great targets. But neither is number, a number one guy. They're both kind of number twos. But that's why I'm with you in that, excuse me, they should definitely draft a wide receiver yeah. next year. I, I think and that's either what the Judy or Higgins yeah. are both awesome picks for us. And that's the thing. Like, Daniel Jones isn't supposed to start this year. Right. He shouldn't even really play this year. That's why next year is the one where we get that wide receiver piece to accompany Sterling Shepard. And we probably won't even have Golden Tate next year and you know he's getting up there and kind yeah. of has a big contract which was maybe in two years before an option yeah, you know, yeah. But we'll so see. i mean that's why i think he's primed to do so well and he has a solid tight end in engram like totally. he had some he had a bit of trouble catching this year for a little bit of he time got better though but he got you know? better yeah and he's a big dude i like him he's and then he's able now. to throw to saquon right I, like i just think that he has the pieces for this to be a good young team, I think this is a really great young team, yeah. and that they can play and develop. Other other places are in this weird in between where it's not really anything set in stone for the future, and everyone is just kind of either sticking around or could potentially be traded away, or they might draft new pieces where you know once Pro Bowl stars are now. So it's yeah. weird. I mean, the hate on this pick is coming from. No one expecting Daniel Jones to be a sixth overall talent. And is he? I don't really know. And the thing is here, we're all going off of what experts, you know, quote unquote, are saying in their mock drafts. But the GMs and the scouts, if they see the guy they want at number six, they're going to take him. They don't care where he is on other teams' big boards. So, sure, maybe the Giants felt a little pressured there. And maybe that's not the smartest thing. Maybe that's naive. Maybe the Giants should have said, hey, if he's still at 17, we can maximize all the value we get by going somewhere else at six. But at the same time, it makes me think we're so, you know, confident in uh, Jones that we needed to take him at six. And is that the smartest thing? Only time will tell, you know, whether or not we were supposed to take him there. I, I, I can only hope, you know, that we were correct. But that's what we said at the start of the show is we've just got to back him and just keep supporting uh, Jones's development. But this is a developmental pick, you know. So I kind of wanted to talk about Stenham again real quick. Sure. Uh, I was thinking of maybe having a quote about him. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think that this is the guy where when Brady retires, Belichick sticks around another year and proves that he can win with, you know, without Brady and have his system be the greatest thing uh, that football has seen in in terms of how his dynasties have played out. So – I don't know. I, I think Belichick can go down as being the better of the pairing of him and Brady. And I actually think that if Stidham, there's a lot riding on this, but if Stidham does have an amazing first year, Brady gets knocked down from being the GOAT. 
And actually, mm-hmm. I'd put him at number two and give more credit to Belichick's system and have Belichick, even though he kind of is right now, be the greatest coach of football of all time. Who's your number one quarterback again? Currently? Yeah. Well, it's Brady now. But who would overtake him? Um, I'd maybe put, like, oh, well, I am a big Aaron Rodgers guy. I don't know if at two, I always have him up there in my top five. Yeah, but Rodgers I just, I just think that he was put in a rough position. Uh, but talent-wise, I definitely think he has it. Then looking at a guy like... Um, oh, you're just saying currently? No, no, saying, no, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, all time. Um, I always I always kind of have Dan Marino up there. Don't think I'd put him as my greatest of all time. Um, That's the thing. I don't know if you can bump Brady down without I having still, a guy to... You know. Like, because so much of that would be the system and... Is it Montana? Yeah, I was also thinking I'm Joe Montana, Montana as guy. well. Yeah, Butterfield literally yeah. just said Joe Montana's my number one. Uh, there was someone else I was literally just thinking of. Uh, I can't. Elway. Um, no, not Elway. He only won one. Yeah. Bradshaw, Mer- uh, Aikman, maybe. I don't know. I really think Brady's Her up Favre there. Favre maybe up there, too. I, in my opinion, I'm with Butter here, and I have Montana at one, Brady at two. No, I've said Brady's no, the goat. No, I, I think I'd put Brady at, at one and Montana at two. This is something to ponder, yeah. And then <laughs> I'd, I'd probably end up, if this were to happen, move Joe Montana right, up. Right, I agree with you. Um, real quick, want to check out, before we move on from the oh, NFL draft, our poll from today. Yes. So we did a poll on would you rather be drafted as a quarterback at first overall to a bad team or drafted second round to a good team where you'd be potentially mentored and given time to develop. So we're basically talking like a Kyler Murray or a Stidham. Yeah. Um, my choice was actually to go first overall. I was just thinking if you're going first overall and if you have these options, you have the talent to make that team your own. And it might be a bad situation like Josh Rosen last year, but at the same time, the money you get and if you perform well, you know, the reputation you get – from the start, could be better than um, playing in the second round. I, I really I mean, look at Baker Mayfield though. Like, that, that's what I'm saying. He lives know? up to the hype, and now he's one. Of, he's a household name. It's the money that comes with the first overall pick. It's the uh, just the reputation you get immediately. Yeah. So much hype around you, and sure, you can be a bust like Jamarcus Russell. But Jamarcus Russell made a ton of money. Yeah, yeah. You know? So no, stuff I, like that. I also agree with you. I actually am going to take first overall pick. I, I think that's. Well, even if you do end up a bust, I mean, that's something you can hold on to for the rest of your life, that you were the best pick out of the NFL draft that year. And yes, you may not get the glory, um, but that doesn't mean you can't. And you're getting money from it, a lot of money. And, you know, there, there's stuff that goes along with it in terms of, uh, you know, marketing yourself and advertising totally. and, and stuff like that, being that first pick. You have to kind of climb the ladder a little bit if you come in from the late second round and... I don't know, get get to the starting job, and even if you have developed well behind uh, an older quarterback, you can have the same chance to do that on the bad team that had the first overall pick, even if they're more like a Josh McCown or somebody yeah. like that. That's just a veteran who's going to give you tips about the week, not a guy who might be an Eli or a Joe Flacco or, in this case, a Tom Brady, who's going to teach you hopefully to be a goat, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's different. And sometimes those guys don't pan out super well when they leave the team, like we saw with Jimmy Garoppolo, who I love but hasn't really, you know, done that well. He got hurt to be fair, and he looked great at the start. But that's my example there is Jimmy G looks a little different outside of the system than he does in it. 
I, I would rather go first overall. But that, it's a great question. I mean, I'd rather just be picked in the NFL, you know, and be a quarterback regardless. But, yeah, cool question. I, I just guessed and got a bonus point that we won't actually count, but <laughs> it's cool to get anyway that, that Jack Butterfield says second round. Uh, that was my guess I was going to say him. he's a second round guy. Yeah, that's what he went with. Yeah. So you I definitely People that don't sides. host senior quotes are usually second round talent. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, so on to the NBA real quick. So just say who said it and who it's about. Okay. Um, or who said it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who I'll said it and who it's directed at? For him to say that's a bad shot, that's just kind of being a poor sport. If anything, it was bad defense. Uh, this is Damian Lillard on. Oh, who said it was a bad shot? I think Paul George. Yes, it yes. was Paul okay. George. Because Paul George point. tried defending it too. That's right. Okay. So Boom. yeah, I mean, the play of the playoff so far. Damian Lillard sending the Trailblazers to the second round with a buzzer beater in, in, a, in a tied game. So he could kind of take the shot. It wasn't like he was down one or two. In a tie ball game, as the clock expires, pulling up from basically the logo at half court. Shout out logo. Uh, <laughs> and my future team. Right yeah. um, I mean, he was in front of the logo, but pretty close to it and drains this shot. It did look panicked, in my opinion. It didn't look like he really thought it was going to go in, but it did. Lillard did not look surprised. We were saying about the mean mugs earlier and not really reacting. He played it off so well, stared into the camera. That was awesome. That was an ice in my veins moment uh, coming from a Nets fan here. So that was great. And then Paul George just said that was a bad shot, which he uh, Lillard immediately tweeted LOL, you know, quoting that tweet. But that was his response later is that, if anything, it was bad defense. What, I, I don't think it was bad defense because you don't really expect anyone to make the shot from that far out. It is as time's expiring, and he did challenge it a little bit. But what, what do you think of the whole play? I mean, it was awesome. I think, That's my take. I think it was perfect. And we had this argument with our roommate Daniel back when it first happened. Um, you know, I had read things about, even before that game, um, using a fair amount of expletives. Uh, <laughs> Damian Lillard basically said that he would end the Thunder that night um, and, and show him, you know, send him home. And he said about the shot, I mean, he was dribbling out there, looking at the rim, thinking, I can make it from here. And, you know, the game was tied. Why not? I've seen him do it multiple times before. True. I've had In flashbacks the to the other playoff yeah. game where he hit it. And... When you're playing a guy like Paul George, who's arguably up there for Defensive Player of the Year, I think that it is the better shot to take it from where he took it True. as opposed to driving inside because Damian Lillard is not known like Kyrie for his finishing or even Steph Curry with a finger roll. Or, and we've said that he is probably third best point guard in the league. Yeah, but it's also even better to take it so far away from the three-point line where you have some space from Paul exactly. George and you know you have that range. You have that As range. opposed to getting to the line, exactly. he's going to cover you there. You've hit it before. Yeah. If you get closer in, you're packing in the actual defense and you have less room. And you know that you're that the guy is – or excuse me, Paul George in this yeah. instance, the guy, he's that guy. Um, Paul George in this is in this instance mm. is not going to foul you, but there's a higher chance of that happening and three singular foul shots being all on you Yeah, if you are to bring it in closer because right. everything is closer range. So from a player's standpoint, I think it is the right move. He has ice in his veins. Yeah. And, you know, he mean mugged all the way back as it, as it <laughs> fell. And... Uh, you know, no spoilers or anything for Game of Thrones, but mm. I think the funniest thing oh. from uh, Game of Thrones Twitter was the look into the camera that Damian Lillard gave with a certain character's yeah. face 
on it. And, and if you know what I'm talking about, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you should check that out. It's hilarious. I've never watched an episode, but I saw the uh, picture and I thought it was great too, without yeah. even fully it knowing so the reference. Funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so looking ahead though, I I think I underestimate Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers every year. Granted, they did lose the other night to the Nuggets, but I think the Nuggets are a team that can be taken down. I think yeah. Jamal Murray is too inconsistent. Andrew and I talked about this last week. Um, I really think that Damian Lillard can give the West a run for its money if he stays uh, on fire like this and just keeps hitting these shots. I mean, the Thunder is not an easy team to take down in the first round. Granted, they were, you know, a couple pegs down in terms of the standings, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's two crazy good superstars in Russell Westbrook and Paul George that were defeated in that series. So I think that the Nuggets are nothing more special than them. They were higher up at number two, I believe, in the standings, but. I think Damian Lillard has it in him, and I keep—he's another guy where I keep saying that this team needs to be blown up, like the Wizards or yeah. anywhere else. But like the more I think about, it, like maybe not. No, like, Damian Lillard is fantastic for this team. And if Nurkic was healthy, yeah, um, because he was such a good piece during the season. And I was about to say about Nikola Jokic, both him and even to bring in Joel Embiid real quick. Those guys are centers that can bring you through the playoffs, but can't win the finals for you. That's my yeah. opinion. Jokic is such a great player. He. Th- puts triple doubles out like it's nothing and people really overlook him because he's a center he's not a point guard he's not really a marketable face yet he plays so well and he's so under the radar because of it but i just don't see him and this nuggets team beating the warriors or the rockets or even the blazers really but to see them beat the blazers already makes me kind of question how just lillard and mccollum can do in this playoff series um if they had Nurkic, i'd put them over all like all the way and actually say that I could see them stealing a few games and potentially the series from the Warriors because that's just how good Lillard has been this playoff season, you know, and how good I know he is for real. But at the same time, like you're saying, if they blew that team up and Lillard went to a big market or just had, like, a true second star, because I personally don't see McCollum or Nurkic as that number two guy on a championship team, if he had that, that would be scary. I mean, imagine him and Kawhi with the Clippers or something. Like, imagine that pairing. That would be, in my opinion, maybe unstoppable, you know, with a good center as your third piece. So, yeah, I'm rooting for the Blazers. In fact, that's the team I want out of the West now. But at this point, I think it's just got to be the Warriors based on how they handled the Rockets in Game 1 and how we're seeing the Blazers slip up to the Nuggets already. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, anyone other than the Warriors would be great, <laughs> but that would be my prediction on that side. All right, so we'll get to my last quote. I think we're pretty much just going to have This is the time. final quote, yeah. Last quote, continuing NBA playoffs, fill in the blank and what it's about. Okay. Maybe a guy like blank loses some credibility when you see all the flailing and kicking his legs out and whatnot, but mm-hmm. personally, I don't think that was really the case on a few of those. Yeah. Um, it's about Harden. Uh, but I, can you read it one more time? Maybe a guy like Blank loses some credibility when you see all the flailing and kicking his legs out and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But personally, I don't think that was really the case on a few of those. Okay, so the Rockets did like a study um, and submitted it to the league where they looked at all the missed calls in the Rockets-Warriors series last year. So because of that, I don't think this is actually a player. I'm just wondering if it's whether it's someone associated with the Rockets or not. No, that wasn't um, part of it. I, I just asked you to fill in the blank and what it was about. Oh, what? So who said it? Daryl Morey? 
That's my uh, guess. No, it was just an unnamed NBA. Exec. Oh, what? Yeah, okay. that's Word. why I wasn't. I'll take it. Sorry, yeah. I completely didn't even. I was so focused on the quote that I yeah. missed that question. No. All right, cool. Um, so yeah, that was it. Harden was the blank. Uh, just really wanted to talk about this because I personally did not think that the Warriors handled the Rockets in any great way. I mean, they uh, only won fair. by they only fair. won by four. And looking back at the game, there were eight missed foul calls that the Rockets racked up. I mean, that's excessive even because you're arguing your point. Let's take away like three of those. That's still five missed foul calls on threes. Instead of 24 free throws and a four-point loss, that's still 15. No, no, you're right. That is enough to win that game. And I think that that many calls is atrocious and should be handled. Let's like think about this again. We wanted, not personally us, but... I mean, the, the Cavs-Warriors matchup last year, and this is in regard to last year's studies about uh, the officiating, you know, that was what was supposed to happen. That was the series that it was meant to be. We knew LeBron was leaving. It was a fresh start for him. It was one last battle between LeBron and the Warriors. And, you know, if, if the league is trying to fudge numbers and try and get these wins to allow for certain things to happen, I'm hoping that the league is rigged this summer <laughs> with the NBA draft. But... You know, it takes away from the game. It's not fair. James Harden arguably put out an MVP um, season this year. Yeah. You got guys like Chris Paul and everyone else doing their work and making this team something really special. And for the refs to blow it, it, it stinks. And this NBA executive, whoever he is, later went on to say that he thinks it may work in their favor for tonight's game at 1030. So we're going to have to see. But the thing is, uh, one of the refs officiating tonight, Scott Foster, has a history of being negligent in Rockets calls. Hmm. And James Harden called him out. He was fined 25K. Yeah, I remember that. And he has never called another one of their games since. So I want to know why, of course, once the Rockets start complaining and will obviously be getting attention, they put this guy back on this game. That is on the league. That is a bad move. You should not be doing that. It's just stirring up more controversy totally. when really all we want is this pure game between Warriors-Rockets because arguably it's the best series out of the West. Yeah. And I, I think it's <laughs> lame that they're doing this. And, and then I also get annoyed at the Warriors for yeah. guys like Draymond and Steve Kerr calling out such things when all year long it's all I hear from the Warriors. I hear, I hear Steph, you know, complaining that he's not getting the calls that James Harden does on threes. Mm-hmm. I hear Draymond Green complaining about foul calls. And honestly, sometimes, yeah, like, sure. But yeah. he's also, like, brutal in the paint to yeah. other guys. Steve Kerr was literally on file. The Rockets brought it up of being quoted as saying and complaining about refs and not getting calls. So for him to do is just hypocritical. And it just further makes me despise this Warriors team. Yeah. Uh, a few points off the bat, then I'll expand. One, Steph doesn't get too many calls either. I was just, I realized how in the playoffs, um, the refs tend to just call less calls. And I, I saw it in the Nets Sixers series, and I wanted to say it was rigged, you know, for the Sixers, especially when Jared Allen didn't get the foul call at the end of that one loss. Well, and then, like, I think that was. Like, you know? I agree. I think that was bad officiating. Yeah, happen. and they called it out. And I hate when the NBA does the studies and tells you what missed calls happened and what the results should have been because that just makes you feel worse as a fan. They're not going to change the result. It's just something to try to improve on. They never really do. But if the NBA is rigging the playoffs for the Warriors to win again, they don't know what the fans really want. We want, and I, I hope I'm speaking for the entirety of the NBA fans here, 
we want a change in the playoffs. We don't want to see the Warriors win again. We want some kind of parity because there are enough stars in the NBA to have interest no matter who's in the playoffs. This doesn't have to be a KD send-off before he goes to the Knicks or wherever he ends up next year. We don't need that. We've seen the Warriors here four straight seasons. We need to see a new matchup. LeBron's not in the East anymore. I'm sure there are less viewers because LeBron's not in the playoffs. Fine. But the majority of NBA fans are still watching regardless. And we want to see Giannis. Or maybe we want to see Joel Embiid in the Sixers. Maybe we want to see Harden. You know, there are that many stars. Kawhi, etc. You know, I just think it's so frustrating if this is true. And I mean, like like you said, there were eight missed calls. Sure, Harden doesn't get them all in the playoffs when he is like throwing his legs out like that. But there were a few it seemed like they closed a little bit yeah. too far and it should have been a call in any other game. And then Chris Paul was thrown out of the game, or, or at least, and I think it was last game, for, for arguing with the ref and saying that should have been a foul. It was bad. It looked biased. And I think, no, it was in Golden State. I was going to say, I thought it was in Houston. That was in Golden State, which doesn't look good on their part either. Yeah. Um, frustrating. I mean, the NBA is doing all they can to protect the lack of parity they have. That's what it seems like. So really frustrating for a guy that roots for an underdog team and was so happy to see them in the playoffs, but then all these big markets you know, take it over as usual. It, it, it is really frustrating. I, I think what fans really do want, and you know, they want this Warriors-Rocket series. They don't necessarily want the Warriors to win, but personally, I want to see in the West a James Harden versus Damian Lillard matchup. And out of that... I'll, I can, you know, change my finals of who I want. And then out of the East, we got, you know, great players against each other in Giannis and Kawhi. And then the other series, we have two great teams competing against each other in the Celtics Sixers. From that, let's say that the Bucks win. I want to see the Bucks versus the Rockets and see the two MVP candidates up against each other in the final. That's what I really want. If we see the uh, Raptors win... I'd like to maybe see a, I don't know, like a Damian Lillard Raptors series where it's like the two kind of like quiet killer guys up against each other. Or we get a Celtics win and I'd like to see Celtics Warriors and get the two great, or no, excuse me, Celtics, uh, do I want Celtics Warriors or maybe Celtics Rockets I feel like I'd like. Mm. And then if the Sixers win, Give me the two powerhouse five of the East yeah, and West. Yeah. That's ideal. That's what players want. And anything else in between we'll take. But we just, you know, it's not defined by just the Warriors being in the playoffs. Exactly. We don't necessarily want that. There's yeah. so many options here that would be great matchups for a final. True fans are going to watch the playoffs or the finals regardless because it's what it is. It's the finals. I mean, I said I wasn't going to watch Warriors-Cavs last year because of how frustrating it was to see them there again. But, of course, I watched. You yeah. know, of course, we had a big watch party for that. So, it is what it is. Um, I'm just looking forward to seeing how this plays out. And I'm hoping that we don't see the Warriors, but it's very possible that they do. So we don't have enough time to analyze the uh, first round of the draft or anything. But I do want to shout out Devin White for uh, Kyle real quick because I love that pick for the Buccaneers at five. Um, there are some really nice picks in that draft, and we'll probably continue talking about it in next week's episode as well. We didn't touch on Josh Rosen in that trade, which I personally think was great value for the Dolphins considering they moved a late second round pick. We were worried we couldn't do it with 17 or our early second rounder, but that's just not how it played out for us. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. There's a lot more topics to talk about and we'll have it for you next time in our final episode from the Heights this year. So look forward to that. Yep. 
All right, guys. <laughs> we will see you soon and uh, love you guys. Yeah. Peace out.